I'm Carson Horn, and it's Friday at 11, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. Welcome in, everyone, to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1 here in Coming to you live from Auburn University on this wonderful and beautiful Friday here. Albert Einstein once said, The only thing more dangerous than ignorance is arrogance. If only Einstein could have lived to see the last year and a half of the Auburn football program. Brian Harson has been fired as Auburn's head coach. No, I didn't go away. I just took a pause for you all to celebrate. The day finally came. It was time. It was past time. It came when in a really, we didn't really kind of, we're not expecting it. Uh, it came in Monday. I was in the middle of, of studying, so you can imagine how much studying I got done after that news broke on Monday. Broke around noon, just a little bit before noon, I believe, around maybe 11.50 is when Auburn released a statement saying they are moving on from Brian Harson. Well, didn't even mention his name, actually. Just saying they were going in a different direction with the leadership of the Auburn football program. And it, it was a big surprise because, again, John Cohen knew that the official announcement was expected to come out that day for John Cohen. So that was really the big news around Auburn. So the expectation was, you know, Brian Harson will survive for a little bit longer before he is let go. But that was not the case. And I think that was uh, some brought a lot of excitement to the Auburn fan base, Some, something that needed to be done. There needed to be something that would breathe some life back into this uh, into this fan base, into this program, and on this campus, and certainly that happened on Monday. Look, you know, I, I, you never want to root for someone to be fired, but it's a little bit easier in college football world when Brian Harson's going to be okay. It's not like he's losing money uh, or anything like that. He's going to get his whole contract over $15 million. The people you do feel for, obviously his family, obviously his son who's still in high school, and obviously the the support staffers that also got let go because this was not just Brian Harson. They cleaned house. Pretty much everybody from the he, Boise staff mem- uh, you know, members and coaches, they were let go minus Jeff Schmetting, and the only reason Jeff Schmetting survived as a defense coordinator is simply because they didn't have anybody they felt confident in on that side of the ball to be able to call plays and be able to make a game plan for the defense. But uh, Eric Kusaw was let go. Brad Bedell was let go. Uh, multiple off-field staffers uh, were, let, were let go. Jeff Pittman, strength and, uh, strength and conditioning coordinator. Um, Drew Fabianich, uh, GM, uh, the uh, director of player personnel, uh, so a bunch, a bunch of people were uh, let go, and uh, so there's going to be a bunch of changes on the staff this week, and we'll get into that later on. But I want to talk about this Brian Harson era because I'm happy it came to an end. It needed to come to an end, but let's just look back at what happened because you're gonna. There's a lot of hot takes out there. There's a lot of takes from national media that that you can read about this, and and they kind of you know make Harson out to be a victim a little bit, and I think that's wrong. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna dive into that here, and and then you can you know you can look at the local beat writers who I think are a, a lot better to really if you want to find out the true story about this Brian Horson era read stuff from them read stuff from guys like Justin Ferguson Justin Lee Justin Hokinson uh, you know those guys uh, gave a lot of great Nathan King 
those guys wrote a lot of great pieces on uh, this Brian Harson era. But let's let's just kind of let's go down memory lane a little bit and let's look at this Brian Harson era. And I'll say this: I believe that Brian Harson is the worst coach in modern Auburn football history. I was going back and looking at just earlier. I'm looking at some previous records of Auburn coaches, and there's there were some really bad ones. I think there was a three and twenty-two uh, forever the coach was between 1948 and 1950. But in the modern era, I believe Brian Harson's the worst coach uh, at all in Auburn history. Doug Barnfield has kind of had claimed that for a long time there in the late 70s. Uh, I think that Brian Harson surpassed him. So let's again, let's dive into this timeline. Let's look back at this Brian Harson era. He was hired in December of 2020, of course, after Auburn moved on from Gus Malzahn. It was an interesting hire. It, there was, from the from the start, there were a lot of people against this hire. And so people will point to that and say, okay, that's the reason he failed. He didn't have enough support. Look, were people thrilled about the hire? No, they weren't. That did not cause him to fail in any realm. He still had enough support. He still There was still enough money being funneled in this program. There was still enough NIL money out there. Things things have improved as far as, as, far as NIL and things out of his control a little bit. But there was enough there for him to succeed. So let's go ahead and squash that narrative right now that... He, he couldn't succeed because he didn't have the support. Look, he was not the first choice. There were a lot of people not happy about the hire. Alan Green made the hire really without consulting many people. He got the approval of President Googe, and that was that. He was the athletic director. President Googe gave him the task of hiring the coach. That was fine. Now, should he have sought more uh, you know, support from, from others? Possibly. He didn't do that. That was his choice. And, of course, Alan Green's without a job now as well. But anyways, that was not the reason that he did he did not um, succeed here at Auburn. He started out to a six and two record. I I was fired up. I, I liked the way things looked. I was like, okay, new culture. Things you know, people are buying into this. It it, it looked pretty good for the Brian Harson era. It got off to a good start. I got up to a thirteenth ranked team in the country. But then you lose five straight to to, to finish out the, the season. Bo Nix goes down to injury. You blow a 25-point lead to Mississippi State. You got the overtime loss to Alabama in the Iron Bowl. I mean, just imagine how how drastically different things could have been just had Auburn just won the Iron Bowl. And, or you know, after losing, you know, I think it was three straight up to the Iron Bowl, just won the Iron Bowl, and how much different things could be. Or, you know, how, how much different things could be if you don't lose some of those other games, like blowing that 25-point lead to Mississippi State last last season. There's a lot of things that, you know, Brian Harson's going to reflect on and think, you know, that had just gone a little, little bit different if he got past the point of my starting quote, if arrogance doesn't get in his way. Because really, his statement and a lot of things that he has put out are, are very much I'm not I, I'm not taking blame. This wasn't my fault. The the shot of like with proper alignment, Auburn Auburn can Auburn can get there. Essentially saying, well, you know, it's not my fault. You know, I didn't have the support I needed to succeed. So therefore, you know, if I had everybody on my side, then then this none of this would have happened. And then of course we dive into the off season stuff. Fires Mike Bobo. Derek Mason leaves. Takes a four hundred thousand dollar pay cut just to get away from Brian Harson. You hire Austin Davis as offensive coordinator. Then he ends up, you know, for personal reasons, deciding to leave. I don't blame Harson as much for that. He couldn't have seen that coming. Bo Nix transfers, along with nearly 20 players overall, transfer out of the program. 
Auburn has a week, another week signing class, signs no one in, in February, first time ever that has happened uh, at Auburn. That leads into the uh, inquiry into the program, which is also what I want to hit on because I think a lot of people have the wrong interpretation of what exactly went on with this inquiry. A lot of people saw what happened on social media and said, well, it was because of that. It was because all the lies that were on social media. And that it was, it was an unjust inquiry into Brian Harson. Were there some things that may have been a little bit unfair to him? Sure, no doubt. Was the stuff on social media terrible, horrible, and you know, no justification for it at all? Absolutely. But that was not the reason for the inquiry. The reason for the inquiry was just because of things I just listed. Because you had nearly 20 players transfer. You, you had Nick Eason, Mike Bobo, Derek Mason, among others, uh, Burt Watts, among others, uh, leave your program after just one year on staff. That that was a big re- that was the reason for the inquiry because of that and because of some players, you know, complaining about some of the culture and some of the issues there, as far as how Brian Harson treated players. So that was the reason for the inquiry. It 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 was not because of the social media lies and things that were on Twitter. And it wasn't, and it wasn't the boosters that decided to do it. It was Jay, uh, President Jade Gooch, who at the time that was the president, not uh, President Roberts, who's there now. He decided because of these things that led him to a little bit of concern. He decided to go to you know do an inquiry for about a week and look into things. He he found some things, but he didn't think it was enough that was going to hold up in court, and therefore he wasn't going to fire him without justification that would hold up in court. And so he decided to hold off and kind of just left a mess for Dr. Roberts to take over and try to deal with. So, yeah, I mean, I'll give you that there were some things that were unfair to Brian Harson. I'll give you that. But he didn't do things that are going to lead to success in the SEC. And I truly don't believe he realized what it was going to take to win the SEC. I believe, like I said, opening quote, I believe he was too arrogant. I, I believe he was too arrogant to realize that he couldn't do exactly what he did at Boise State and be successful in the SEC. He had to recruit at a higher level. He had to personally be involved at a higher level in recruiting. He was lazy as a recruiter, point blank. Look, the dude can talk the talk, and that's what got a lot of people to buy in and believe in him. But he couldn't walk the walk at all. And, you know, he would say, "This we want to be about this. We're going to be relentless here. We're going to... He didn't back it up. And I talked about this previously, you know, during the season, not practicing what you're preaching. And he was great at preaching, terrible at practicing it. And so he didn't recruit at a high enough level. He didn't buy into NIL. He didn't want to hear that as an excuse of why Auburn wasn't getting recruits. He didn't want to use NIL to the the ability that Auburn could use it at because Auburn has a really good NIL program. Yes, it was still developing at times during his first year and into the beginning of this season. But it was there, and he was not using it uh, to his advantage. He he skipped uh, important uh, things. I don't understand the whole uh, recruiting realm, but I know there was important banquet or, or something that Kirby Smart and Nick Saban were both, both at. Brian Harson decided to skip it. It was things that you just can't do. If you want to recruit on a high enough level to put together a competent roster to compete at the highest level in the SEC, he didn't get guys in the transfer portal. There were glaring needs on this roster this year, offensive line being the first and foremost. And he did not address 
did not get a single transfer offensive lineman. He got some good transfer players in other positions, but still, the team is not very deep. And when you already had a poor high school recruiting class, and then you topple a poor transfer recruiting class on top of that, it just it just made made matters worse. And he didn't allow uh, the season. He didn't allow assistance to go out on the road during uh, game weeks. Like most coaches, they allowed their you know staffs allow their coaches to go out on Friday nights to go to games. There was so much that that went into why he. While he why he failed, he also didn't seek to forge relationships with people that mattered until too late. He did yes, yeah, again, I said he didn't have the support of a lot of powerful people at Auburn at the beginning. That's true, but he also didn't seek to build those relationships to get their support. He didn't try to build community with his players. He came in as kind of a, a hard nosed guy, and that's fine. But you gotta get, you gotta get to know your players. People didn't know who you were players on that roster didn't know who you were. He didn't do a good enough job of trying to forge those relationships with those players. He made some adjustments this offseason. He realized some things. He made some improvements. Not enough, though. He still didn't realize the the level that it was going to take uh, to recruit. And that's what I come back to. I really do think recruiting was the biggest issue. I, because no matter what, I don't care where you're at, you have to be a, 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 a solid coach to be able to win the amount of games that Brian Harson won at Boise. You do. Now, this season will lead you to believe he, he, he's not a good coach because there's certainly been a lot of questionable things happening this season. But I really think it comes down to he just didn't address the roster needs like he needed to. He, he didn't uh, get himself involved in the community like he needed to, and he didn't endear himself, I think is the word I'm looking for, into the Auburn community. Uh, yeah, again, he did, he made some adjustments there, but it just wasn't enough. And, and so though all those things that I'm hitting in Icon, there's a lot of things that I think there's something that I can't think of at the moment that I'm forgetting that I wanted to hit on with, with Brian Hartson. It, it, it just didn't work. And, and you can't tell me now that fit doesn't matter, because it does. It it absolutely does. But I certainly believe that Brian Harson could have been successful at Auburn if he had done some of the things that I had just mentioned and not been so arrogant as to believe that I can do exactly what I did at Boise and it'll work. And not he didn't listen. There are so many people he could have gone to that would have given him some advice. And if he did, and I, and I just don't know about it, I'm sorry, but as far as we know, he didn't do that. He didn't seek out advice from those who could have helped him and really could have helped his time on the planes go better than it has gone. With that, we need to go to the first commercial break. When we come back, I'm going to dive into John Cohen and the, the uh, new AD here at Auburn and talk about him. And uh, we may hit on a few more things regarding Brian Harson, but then we'll move on to where this football program goes from here. So I've got plenty more to come, a ton more to break down and talk about regarding Auburn. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll be right back. These are the moments you remember. The kick is good. Auburn A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Welcome back now to Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.9. Overshadowed by the news of Brian Harson being fired on Monday was the hiring of John Cohen as the next AD of Auburn. This kind of came out of nowhere. This was not a name that we were hearing if you were... I mean, not me, but insiders were hearing and uh, were writing about. This was not, he was a guy that late came onto the scene. And then on Saturday, you you know, saw national media, Pete Thamel started reporting that Auburn was seeking to finalize a deal with him. And it didn't necessarily get the, the most positive response from the Auburn fan base. And really not because it, 
and this that's what frustrated me. It was not because of of any looking at his resume or anything like that. It was just simply taking the word of Twitter as the reason of why people weren't exactly thrilled with it. So I think it was a very smart move by President Roberts to to fire Brian Harson on Monday because that first it clean it made a clean slate for John Cohen that wasn't his mess to deal with, first of all. But also, you know, I, I think it kinda it kinda got the fan base fired up so people weren't like, okay, we're not gonna be negative about this John Cohen hire. I think it it could have Caused a little bit of a stir if John Cohen was the only news of the day. People would have been, you know, uh, may have been apt to be a little bit more negative about the hire. But this also, I don't know how much say he had in, in Brian Harson going ahead and getting fired. Uh, I, I think, I'm sure it was talked about that they were going to move on from him in his interviews with President Roberts. But people were also fired up. You know, John Cohen's on the job and Brian Harson's already gone. That certainly helped from a, you know, perspective uh, of fans to kind of get, you know, get fans on his side early on. So that was big. He was at the basketball scrimmage already this week. He is in Auburn. Uh, certainly an awkward situation that Auburn plays Mississippi State uh, this this weekend. I, I'm not sure if he'll be traveling back to Starkville for that game or not, or if he's in, you know, Starkville, if he'll, if he'll be there or not. But when you look at his resume, I, I think this was a good hire. Again, you never know. You you don't with any hire. That's with coaching, with with AD, and in anything. You can resumes can can be deceptive. You know, guys again, like I said, fit fit may not you know just work. But from 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 resume based on everything uh, I've seen as far as SEC experience, I think this is a good hire. He's been an SEC AD since 2016 at Mississippi State. Before then, he was a, a very successful baseball coach at both Kentucky and Mississippi State. He did some really good things at Mississippi State. He led uh, major facility upgrades, uh, upgrades, uh, and he made some really good hires. He's won national championships there, hired a national championship winning baseball coach. Uh, they've uh, been very uh, successful in women's basketball. He's made some poor hires, too. There's some hires that haven't panned out, specifically you know, the Joe Moorhead hire there. But at that time, that looked like a really good hire. Joe Moorhead was one of the best offensive minds in college football at the time. And again, Moorhead wasn't terrible. He moved on from it quick. He had a short leash. He was about 500 after two seasons, and that that was enough to 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 do him in. And then he went and got a guy like Mike Leach, which gives me a lot of excitement about this coaching search because that lets me know that that you know Jeff Co- um, John Cohen's not going to be afraid to go and make a make a splash hire. Um, no, I don't want a Mike Leach at Auburn, but for a school like Mississippi State that doesn't have the money and the resources that Auburn has, I think that, you know, that was a big hire for them, someone who would bring a spark to that program. So that was that was a big deal. I thought that was a really good hire there. So, again, his track record is very solid, and I think he'll succeed here. The, you know, the question everybody's asking, you know, he went, he played at Mississippi State. That was his alma mater. That's where he coached. Why, why would you want to leave your alma mater? And it really comes down to the fact that I really think John Cohen wanted a chance to be at a school with more money, more resources, and a chance to compete at a high level and for championships year in and year out in, in a variety of different sports. Again, Mississippi State was doing it. They were doing it in some sports, but you have a greater chance of doing it consistently and doing it in more sports, theoretically, at Auburn based on the money and the resources that you have. And so that, in my opinion, is why he left Mississippi State again. There's been a lot of false allegations that he, he was – he was about to be fired at Mississippi State, um, and maybe they're true. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think those 
those were true based on everything I've read. Were there some people that were maybe not been happy with him? Sure, that that can be the case everywhere. But he had just gotten a four-year contract extension there at Mississippi State, so I, I do not think he was going to be let go in uh, in any sort of the fa- any sort of fashion. I was actually talking to my cousin who goes to Mississippi State. Uh, I was texting back and forth with her, just you know, trying to get her thoughts on on John Cohen. So you know, from someone who's there, and uh, our thoughts were similar, pretty much similar to uh, what you would see on on Twitter, kind of a little bit indifferent. You know, liked some things he did, didn't like some things he did. Uh, wish he'd done more here. You know, more here. You know, she mentioned a couple different couple different things. I won't dive into the specific. Uh, the specificness of those um, things, but uh, those were some things she dis- she discussed with me. But overall, she said she'd be sad to see him leave. She thought he had done a, a pretty solid job there as AD at Mississippi State. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do uh, here at Auburn. Obviously, he's pretty much going to be judged based on his first hire. You know what what hire does he make for for um, head football coach of Auburn? Because that's going to be his his biggest and most important decision that he'll make, and it happens to end up being his his first uh, decision that he makes. So huge, huge choice that he's got, and I think he's going to do a great job. He's got about a month to make this choice. What's he going to do with it? Well, let's look at some of the possible candidates that he might dive into here. Right now, it seems, based on everything I've read, based on everything you probably read out there, that Lane Kiffin is the number one target. I'm always hesitant, though, because a lot of times the first name you hear never ends up, you know, really being the guy. But I I tend to agree. I I think Lane Kiffin is the first target uh, for the job. I think he would be a tremendous hire. Based on things I've read, he he has wanted the Auburn job in the past. He wanted it when Brian Harson was hired. Uh, He didn't get it then. Does he want it now? He's obviously doing a great job at Ole Miss. And... Auburn says money's not going to be an issue in this coaching search. I believe that to be true. I certainly believe Auburn can offer more than Ole Miss. But how far is Auburn willing to go? I I think this is Lane's Kiffin, Lane's Kiffin, Lane Kiffin's job if he wants it. The question is, does he want it? I think Auburn can offer a, a six, seven-year, eight, eight-and-a-half, nine-million-dollar contract to Lane Kiffin. If he wants it, he'll take that. That's not that's that's more than Ole Miss is paying him. It's not a ton more than Ole Miss is paying him, paying him, but it is. But if he says no, I want a, a ten year, ten million dollar deal, then yeah, while money's not an issue, I'm not sure Auburn's going to be willing to do that. And that's why I say the ball is kind of in Lane Kiffin's court. If he wants it, Auburn can offer him more than Ole Miss. It may not be the the ten million, ten year, ten million dollar type of deal. But they can offer him more than Ole Miss. And so if he truly, truly wants this job, he'll take it. And that's just kind of my thoughts on it. I think he wants it. I do. I, I, the reason, like I said, just because the same reason John Cohen made the move from Mississippi State to Auburn. The ability to have more resources, have a bigger NIL pool, and, and the chance to um, win championships is a, is a lot greater at Auburn than it is at Ole Miss. I know some Ole Miss fans that will ruffle their feathers. It's true, though. It, it, it simply is true. Auburn is up in the in the top uh, of college football now as far as the NIL money they have. Uh, one article written by On3 Sports this week mentioned Auburn as a sleeping giant in NIL. Look, that's going to make this job tempting and uh, to a lot of different coaches out there. So Lane Kiffin, I would say, is the number one. 
After that, I'm really not sure where the board sits. I'll go ahead and jump to Deion Sanders. Could he be number two? I'm not sure. I think there's a possibility that is the case. You want to talk about a a hire that would energize this fan base? Lane Kiffin would certainly do it. Deion Sanders would absolutely send this fan base to the moon with excitement. This campus would be on fire uh, if Deion Sanders was hired. You would never have to worry about recruiting. I can promise you that. There's been articles written, you know, uh, who who recruits want Auburn to hire Deion Sanders as the number one choice for the the majority of of the recruits. A lot of guys would, would flip to Auburn immediately. Obviously, the concern with Deion Sanders being how would he mix with the the powers to be here at Auburn. Also, you know, he he's coaching at the SWAC level. There's a big difference in coaching in the SWAC and the SEC. Deion knows football. Look, he played in the pros uh, before he got into uh, coaching at at Jackson State. He was he was leading camps, so he's been involved coaching guys uh, for a long time now. But again, it's still different coaching in the SEC. I, I think he could do it. I think he would be a an, an excellent coach. It would definitely not be a, a typical Auburn hire that you would expect, expect. But again, I don't think John Cohen's going to work that way. The, I, I think what Auburn fans have in their minds of the way things have worked in the past, you've got to clean that. Get that out. Things are working differently now. John Cohen is literally in his contract. that He's going to have full autonomy over the athletic department. That hasn't been the case since Pat Dye was AD at Auburn. So I really, I really think this is going to be a, a different hire than, than most fans may be expecting. So as far as Dion, a lot of risk, a lot of risk. I'll give you that, but also tremendous upside uh, there as well. So I certainly think he's a candidate. I do. I, I, I still think it's a long shot, but I certainly believe he is a legitimate candidate. I'm not just talking just to talk about him. Uh, a new addition that I want to mention, Dan Lanning. He, he was a Georgia defense coordinator, has coached under Kirby Smart, has coached under Nick Saban, took the Oregon job. So, again, he's only been there. He's only in year one there at Oregon. They would, Auburn have to, would have to pay $14 million buyout to get him. Again, saying money's not an issue, maybe that happens. I find it unlikely. I don't think Phil Knight's going to let yet another coach escape him like Mario Cristobal just did. But if Dan Lanning really wants to be back in the South, if he really wants to be a head coach in the SEC, then maybe this is a possibility. He is an excellent recruiter as well. He'll be a fantastic hire. He's already doing great things at Oregon, recruiting very well there, put together a tremendous staff there at Oregon. I believe he would do the same at Auburn. I would really like that hire as well if Auburn were to go in that direction. Personally, though, I, again, I think Auburn's a great job. But personally, I wouldn't leave Oregon. I get the, you know, Stay out of the SEC, and essentially, if you just beat USC now out there, then you're in the college football playoff. I'd stay out there if I was him, but I'd love if he would want to come to Auburn. That would be a great hire as well. So that's a new name that's kind of come up here recently. Nathan King and Justin Hoganson, I mentioned them in their hot boards on uh, 24-7 and on three, respectively there. Hugh Freeze, that's, an- that's another name. A lot of Auburn fans like that. He He's an excellent coach. He What he did at, at Ole Miss was extremely impressive. Obviously, there's a lot of baggage there with the way things went down and the the uh, the cheating and all that that they got into there and some of the the more moral issues as well. But I do think he is he's a different man now. He is uh, and and if there's anyone who really wants this Auburn job, it's Hugh Freeze, and he's not trying to make it a secret. He wants the Auburn job, 
I'm not sure he's quite on hands and knees begging for it yet, but he's almost there. Now, I mean, that's how bad he wants it. This is uh, pretty much a dream job for him. He wants to get back in the SEC. He wants a chance to compete at the highest level and to win championships. He wants to, to get back here uh, really bad. You can't argue with what he's done in Ole Miss and then what he's done at Liberty has been extremely impressive. Personally, he's probably not in my top three. Um, just not, I, you know. But I, I, I can't argue with what he's done. He's had a lot of success, and I think he would he would have a, a lot of success here at Auburn. He's beaten Nick Saban, so that is why he is such an enticing candidate. Uh, I think right now it's unlikely that he is the choice, but because uh, I think there's a couple of guys ahead of him. But if Auburn were to miss on those guys, he he would certainly be a really good choice uh, for Auburn as well. Uh, we've got to take a short break. I'm still not done going through I want to go through one or two more candidates. So I'll hit those, and we'll, then we'll dive into the football game this week because much we're talking about the future, there is a game this week that I want to dive into. So we'll get into that. We're here on Week Old 91.1. The final candidate I want to discuss with Jeff Grimes. He is the current OC at Baylor. He uh, was a former Auburn offensive line coach. No, not J.B. Grimes. He was also an Auburn offensive line coach. Jeff Grimes, he was offensive line coach uh, during the 2010 season, a few years before and after there, uh, after then as well. Uh, very good coach. He's had a lot of success. Went on to LSU with there when Leonard Fournette was there uh, at LSU. Been at BYU when Zach Wilson was there with OC there, OC at Baylor now. Auburn ties a lot of support from some people around the program uh, was influence that really liked Jeff Grimes. I think it's unlikely he would certainly not be one of my top choices. I do believe he'll put together a good staff uh, because of his, his connections and a lot of people respect him. I do think he is a really good coach. He just is not uh, my top choice, but he may be yours, and I can't argue that you know the fact that he, he might not have a lot of success here at Auburn uh, but he's just not my top one. And again, right now, I don't think there's a lot of steam here as there was maybe uh, some time ago when we thought there was going to be a different AD. I don't see this being the move that John Cohen makes. However, he is a name worth mentioning. And look, I mentioned about five names, I think, there. The hire could be none of those five names uh, because we really don't know. Again, John Cohen was not a name in the AD search that, that popped until the last second. And so I think... President Roberts and John Cohen alike are going to work, want to work quietly here with this coaching search and may not let a name out for a while. And look, we're, we're going to have a month of this because everybody is 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 coaching right now. So it's it's unlikely that you that you see it higher until the regular season ends. So again, there's going to be new names. There's going to be new drama uh, unfolding each and every week. So again, we'll, we'll probably have a, a shorter segment of this each and every week to discuss the latest movement. Uh, in the coaching search. That's kind of where things stand as of now, at least in in my opinion. With that being said, let's rotate to this Mississippi State game this week under head coach Cadillac Williams. Man, I am so happy for uh, Cadillac Williams, man, I that he deserves it. You know, the player that he was at Auburn, the, he is a true Auburn man, uh, becomes the first African-American head coach in Auburn football history, and I'm, I'm super excited that he gets to lead this team. There's no one better uh, to be able to do that. And, you know, everything he said, he, he has been 
awesome this week in, in interviews. And look, he, j- he just said, look, I just want our guys to go out there and play Auburn football. Play hard. Play discipline. Give it, give it everything you've got. Win, lose, or draw. Give it everything you've got. And he said, I believe fans will respect that. And, and, and they will. Uh, Auburn fans are super excited that, that Caddy's going to get to lead, lead this team uh, through the rest of the season. I think he'll do a phenomenal job. Um, you know, it's a challenging situation, but he he's going to do the best he can with it. As far as staff changes go, uh, Will Friend and Ike Hilliard are going to be co-OCs, uh, taking over Eric Keesaw being fired. Uh, Mike Hartline moved to quarterback coach. He was um, the um, offensive analyst, moves QB coach. Um, a few other staff changes um, from guys moving from uh, an analyst to uh, on-field roles to fill fill in those uh, voids left by the the coaches that had that had been fired. So uh, there's some there's some changes along the staff. Again, it's hard when a lot of coaches were were fired. How do you figure out a game plan? You know, um, Cadillac Williams talking about it this week. You know, not hardly getting any sleep, staying at the facility till one or two a.m. trying to come up with the game plan to uh, have success this week this weekend against Mississippi State. So they're working hard. He's trying to make the most of this opportunity. He wants to make Auburn proud, and and he's going to do that. No matter the no matter the results the rest of the season, I know he's going to make Auburn proud, and he's going to do a great job in this role. It, I mean, it's going to be tough. He may make some, some bad decisions. Look, he's only been coaching football for, um, you know, five years or so now, and he gets thrust into a head coaching role. I mean, it, it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to have patience with him, uh, you know, because he's, he's learning on the job. But I, I don't think Auburn fans would have anybody else in this position. He'll, he'll do wonderful. So with that being said, let's dive into a preview of this Mississippi State uh, game. Mississippi State's a good team. They've had some questionable losses. They've had some games where they haven't played well. But overall, this is a good team. Uh, obviously a great quarterback in Will Rogers. And they play really well at home. Uh, again, Mississippi State always has games. Mike Leach always has games where his offense just seems inept for some reason after it looks great. Hoping that's the case this weekend. Uh, there's some things that Auburn can do that'll possibly give them some issues, but it's going to be tough again, like I said, on the road against them. So uh, starting out, let's look at, again, like I always do, break down their defense, break down their offense, and talk about what Auburn needs to do against them. Uh, defensively, they're pretty much average. I mean, literally, when you look at their stats, they are like in the 60s in pretty much every statistical category. So the epitome of average is their defense, but they do have a solid front seven uh, with a with a pretty strong defensive line. I would say that's probably their strength. They stay in an odd front uh, for the most part, and they're aggressive. They will blitz a lot, but when you're aggressive, a lot of times that opens up the chance for things to get busted and to have big plays. They give up a lot of big plays. So Auburn's going to have to convert on uh, convert on that, going to have to have explosive plays offensively. So how would I attack if I'm this offensive staff this week for Auburn? Well, considering you've got an offensive line coach as your as your main OC, again, this co-OC with him and Ike Hilliard, but the belief is because Will Friend has been an offensive coordinator before is that he will um, continue to uh, he'll call the plays, but we don't know that for sure. They may split the play calling between him and Ike Hilliard. But with that assumption and, that, and a head coach that is your was your running backs coach, the expectation is you're going to run the ball a lot. And I firmly believe that to be the case, and that's going to need to be the case. Going against an air raid offense, you want to control the time of possession. 
So I expect Tank Bigsby to get a ton of carries. I expect Jarquez Hunter to get a ton of carries. And I believe, uh, you know, that Demari Austin is going to get his fair share uh, of carries as well. This team is going to run the football. Going to need to uh, mix up schemes. And then get the ball to your playmakers. Get the ball to Javarius Johnson. Get the ball to Camden Brown. Look, I didn't, because of everything else I had to talk about, I didn't recap the Arkansas game. Um, but Camden Brown was phenomenal, man. Those catches he made in that game were phenomenal. Got to get him the ball if you're Robbie Ashford. And, and just as far as play calling, have design plays to get him the ball. Get the ball to him, Javarius Johnson, Tank, Jarquez. I'd like to see John Samuel Shanker get some uh, targets as well. Really has not been targeted much this year uh, at all. And then make Mississippi State pay for their blitzes. I just talked about it, how they can allow big plays when they get aggressive. So if they blitz, that's going to probably open up somebody. So Robbie Ashford's got to be able to hit receivers when they are open. So looking for those deep shots goes along with, with that. You're going to have that opportunity. Their secondary is uh, a weakness for Mississippi State. So take advantage of that offensively. But again, when it comes down to it, get back to, to Auburn football. And as, as uh, Cadillac Williams said, Auburn football is running it. So I, I, I really do. I wouldn't be surprised if this is a 70-30, 80-20 a run to pass ratio this week weekend. However... That can get adjusted, obviously, as you fall behind. But if Auburn can stay in the lead or stay where they're matching Mississippi State, I fully expect this game to be heavy, heavy run. As for Mississippi State's offense, they are very, very good, averaging 321 yards a game passing. However, only 89 yards rushing per game. In my opinion, that's a little bit of a misleading stat, though. Because their rushing game... It's not, it's not bad. Again, with an air raid offense, you don't expect, you know, yeah, 89 yards rushing. What did you expect from an air raid offense? Mike Leach has shown the ability in the past to, to run the football when needed, and that's no different this year. This team can the can run the ball extremely well. They do have a couple of good running backs back there that they can go to. Um, and, of course, they're going to get their running backs involved in the passing game as well. So even if they're not getting uh, the run game going, they're, they're, their running backs are still going to make a difference in this game. And, of course, we can't ignore Will Rogers, one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. He is a perfect QB for this Mike Leach offense. He, he stays in the pocket. He's extremely accurate. He has a very high completion percentage this year. And, look, he's, he'll take sacks, though. He, he will absolutely take sacks, and that, that's because he's taught to. He, he is not supposed to lead the pocket, and, and, you know, he's not going to. I mean, on very rare occasions he will, if he absolutely has to. But he is going to stay in the pocket and make throws. He'll take hits. And you got to love him if you're a Mississippi State fan because of this. They're going to run a ton of four wide, four wide receiver sets. And it's a lot of quick passes. You think air raid, everything's going to be you know, 15, 20 yards downfield? No. It's going to be short, quick timing routes, quick slants, quick curls, hitches, things like that. Uh, you know, 5, 10 yards uh, Max, so that can make it challenging on defenses to get pressure on on the quarterback. However, it can still be done, and it's going to absolutely uh, need to be done this week if uh, Auburn's going to to win this game. They're gonna have to get uh, pressure on Will Rogers and making him uncomfortable, mix up uh, some different looks. Uh, as far again, I've already started mentioning a little bit as far as what the defense needs to do. Last year in this game, Auburn got up big. And they played the game so soft defensively. 
just wanted to keep everything in front of them. And it allowed Mississippi State just to score and lead that huge comeback because they were just taking what the defense gave them. You can't do that. can't just sit back on your heels and, and, and just let Mississippi State drive down the field because they'll take it five yards, five yards, five yards, and do it all the way down the field. That's what they did last year, and they'll be happy to do it again. So have to mix, mix up looks. Can't just stay man-to-man, though, because they will they will take advantage of that, too, and they'll make you pay for that. So mix up zone and man. Little, little press man. Try to, Again, press man will help mess up those timing routes if you can get a good push-off at, at defensive back and slow down those receivers on those timing routes. So mix up zone and man. Uh, try to confuse Will, will Rogers a little bit, mess up the timing a little bit. That's going to be important uh, for this defense. Look, secondary has been the strength of this defense this year. Like I've said, I, I gave given my argument of why the the front seven has struggled. I do think it's just because of depth. I don't think it's because of talent because I think the the Auburn uh, defense is better than they have shown against the run. Uh, again, I just think they get worn down. But s- statistically, this secondary has been by far the strong suit of this Auburn defense, and they're going to get their chance to shine this weekend. I expect a lot of rotations because they're going to get worn down. So I think you'll see a lot of guys play in the secondary, some younger guys as well. Uh, guys like J.D. Rim, who will who will probably get in there as well, who's played some this season, along with your your usual, you know, Jalen Simpson, Nehemiah Pritchett, D.J. James, Keontae Scott, uh, Donovan Kaufman. You're going to see a lot of different guys play there to stay fresh, and they're going to have to step up. They're going to have to have a great game. With that, we'll wrap up the preview again. I'll finish up, I'll give a prediction on this game when we come back to our final segment, and then I'm going to finish talking about Auburn basketball and recap their exhibition game and preview their impact show as I warned you it would be. We're going to try to finish it up here. Got a, a lot more that I could go into that I'd like to go into. I'm going to run out of time, though. So let's finish off, though, talking about this Auburn-Mississippi State game this weekend. I think Auburn can pull off the upset. I think it's unlikely. Uh, I think Mississippi State's going to win this game. Again, even with the coaching change, the talent is what it is on this team, and this is just to be honest with you, just not a very good team. And that's just the fact of the matter. Uh, and again, I went into the reasons that was, and that's the reasons that, that Brian Horson is fired. I think this this team will play with a renewed energy. They're excited to play for, for Cadillac, and I think they're going to they're gonna give it everything they have. I just think Mississippi State is a better team. But I certainly hope that, that I'm wrong, and I certainly hope that, that Auburn can pull off this up, upset this weekend. I'd love uh, nothing more. But we'll see what happens there. Changing... Uh, directions a little bit. Going to talk about Auburn basketball now. They had a scrimmage this past week, and they will officially open the season this Monday night against George Mason. They play Monday night, and then again, I believe, on Friday night uh, this upcoming week. But we'll talk about the George Mason game, and then uh, next week we will uh, dive into uh, their matchup for next Friday night. Hadn't even looked to see who it is yet. George Mason, I, I, I promise you, I did my research on them. It was extremely difficult to find much info, though, on George Mason. Apparently, a lot of people don't like to cover them. They are in the A-10, which is not a bad basketball conference, but they were 14-16 and 16 last year, so not very good. Uh, that was in the first year, though, of a new head coach. This guy will be, I forget his name, is in the second year now as head coach at George Mason. They did get a big transfer, Victor Bailey, uh, junior out of Tennessee, so they got some SEC experience on the roster. They did have one player, though, that did enter the NBA draft process after last season and did return. That was Josh Oduro, and he aver- averaged nearly 18 points per game last season. So certainly 
uh, a player to keep an eye on in this game for George Mason. What kind of challenge will they bring to Auburn? I really have no clue. Uh, it should be an easy win for Auburn. Uh, as far as the scrimmage went, kind of some observations from that the other night. Uh, Jalen Williams played incredible. He fouled out, so he's got to, you know, keep control of that. But overall, I think Bruce Pearl was very pleased with with how he played, and so that was great to see uh, him score uh, and rebound and, and play defense like he did. Allen Flanagan looked to be back at a hundred percent for the first time uh, since I, you know, his sophomore year. Uh, so that was that was wonderful, wonderful to see his athleticism had a tremendous jump, uh, dunk. Uh, I thought he played really well. Uh, you saw some bright spots from Yohan Traor as well as far as his, his shooting touch went. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, Wendell uh, and KD kind of struggled a little bit early. I thought Wendell kind of came into his own. KD struggled shooting. Again, that's going to be a concern. The, the shooting has, has got to improve. Uh, shooting percentage has got to improve, and Bruce Pearl will tell you as much. He said as much after the scrimmage. Um, Janine Broom, I, I think, not 100% right now. I would not be surprised if Auburn were to hold him out uh, of the first week or so. He played in the scrimmage, but you could tell he, he wasn't comfortable. Auburn's going to need him to be comfortable and be 100% to have a successful season this year. He's going to be an integral uh, part of this basketball team, uh, especially on the offensive end with the, the threat that he's going to bring scoring in the low post. Dylan Cardwell, though, played extremely well uh, at the five. Again, I, I could go on and on about all, all the different players uh Overall, I mean, Auburn won by around 20, I think, in, in the scrimmage. Uh, they're playing U- University of Alabama Huntsville, so obviously not, you know, the, the best the best opponent in, in the in the world. Uh, Chance Westry, of course, did not play in that game. Again, he's still recovering from the minor knee surgery that he had. My guess is he'll probably still be out uh, for this week uh, and maybe the next week, hopefully, to, to get him going, though, so he can get some non-conference games in before you get into – Getting to conference play at the end, very end after Christmas of December, uh, but I, like any scrimmage, there were some plenty of things that I think Bruce Pearl was pleased with, uh, but also things that you're going to clean up. You didn't have issues in a scrimmage game, though. You'd be wondering what in the world. There, there should be things. You shouldn't play your best basketball game in in your scrimmage games. So there should be plenty to improve upon, and Auburn will look to continue to improve game in and game out, starting with George Mason uh, on Monday night. So I'm looking forward to this matchup. Uh, I think, you know, that Auburn's going to win this game, and uh, it's going to be a fun basketball season again. We're going to have plenty more uh, to talk about regarding them throughout the season, and again, next week we'll we'll talk more about them. With the final couple minutes I have, I, I want to discuss what Auburn needs to do as a university, as an athletic program, to move forward, to get this hire right, and to set Auburn on a path to be a force to be reckoned with in in college football. I, I truly have more confidence than I've had in a long time that Auburn's going to get this hire right. I, I think President Roberts did a tremendous job with this AD hire. Uh, I, I think he the way he ended up handling the Brian Harson situation was, was admirable. I, I was frustrated with him. I won't deny that. You all know that. A lot of people were. But he had a plan. He stuck to his guns. He made the hire he wanted to make at AD. He fired Brian Harson when he wanted to fire him. And I believe he's going to get everybody aligned. I believe John Cohen knows that he's got to have everybody aligned. That means the boosters. That means the board. He knows he got. He has to get everybody pulling in the same direction if Auburn wants to be what well, it has the potential to be. Auburn has the potential to be an absolute powerhouse. Like I said, it's an 
unbelievable town, an unbelievable fan base, an unbelievable university with money and resources galore. All it's going to take is the right hire. And with the right hire, fans are going to buy in. The, the, the boosters, the board, everybody's going to get on the same page. Everybody's going to support that hire, and Auburn football will be successful again. It's easier said than done, however. I think there's numerous candidates that, that John Cohen can hire, as I, some of the guys I mentioned, and that people will get behind and people will be fired up to support. It may not be their top choice. It, you know, it, it may not have been, you know, everybody. But, again, there's so many different people that are involved uh, in, in, in Auburn athletics. So, again, there, there's going to be millions of differing opinions on who their top guy is. It may not be their top choice. But that, that doesn't necessarily matter. Just because it's not their top choice doesn't mean that they won't support, you know, whoever the hire is as long as is as long as it's a good hire. Brian Harson was not a good hire. At John Cohen, I believe, is going to make a good hire. I believe everybody's going get to get on the same page. I think President Roberts is going to help with that process as well. I'm excited. I, this is the most optimistic I've been about the future of, uh, of Auburn football in a long time. And... Uh, Again, as long as everything goes smoothly here this next month, I, I see no reason that won't change. You're gonna again, you're gonna hear a lot of names over this next month. There's gonna be a lot of changes. There's gonna be a lot of drama. I'm sure everybody just needs to stay calm. Again, no one expected John Cohen, so it may not even be a name you're hearing right now that could end up being the next head coach of Auburn. I'm excited to see where this journey takes us, and I hope you'll uh, tune in each and every week to Talking Tumors to hear. Uh, my perspective as a student here at Auburn University on everything that is taking place. I appreciate you all tuning in today. A uh, uh, little note, next week, due to some uh, conflictions, I will um, not be able to uh, be here live at 11. I am planning, though, to still record a podcast. You'll be able to listen listen to it that uh, next Friday, though, Uh, although we will not be live, but we should be back live the week after that. So again, hope you all enjoy the weekend. Hopefully Auburn gets gets a win this Saturday and then follows it up with a win in basketball on Monday. Have a great one, everybody. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Friday at 11 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com and follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle and see you next time.